0: UCLA hoops, they ran the table in practically every award in the Pac-12, and they deserved it, too. Let's talk about it on Locked On UCLA.
1: You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey everybody, it's your favorite host, it's Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, joined today by Max Kelton here on the Locked On UCLA podcast. Thanks for making your first listen each and every day. It's free on YouTube and wherever you can find it. Thanks for making it. And just know that this episode's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Max, glad to have you. Max is a D1 play-by-play broadcaster and he does some games at UCLA, so he's pretty well in tuned with the Bruins. Max, glad to have you.
1: Hey, appreciate you having me, Zach. Uh, rock and roll. Hey, great week for UCS UCLA athletics, left and right. A uh, ton of fun following along. So this should be this should be a fun one today. All right, for UCLA, we're gonna get right to it. When
0: it comes to the awards, Hawkes Player of the Year, Adembona Freshman of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, in Jalen Clark, and the John Wooden Coach of the Year Award goes to none other than the UCLA head coach himself, in Cronin. They pretty much swept the awards. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts were on it, Max, but in my mind, it seemed like pretty much every award that was won by UCLA Bruin was deserved. I know the most debated was the player of the year award between Jaime Hawkins Jr. and Azulis Tabelas. That was back and forth. There's even some Twitter beef between beat reporters for UCLA, Arizona, throwing shade one at another, but it was Hawkins who I think truly deserved the award going at the end of the regular season.
1: Well, who won the championship, right? Who got that regular season title. And frankly, I, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, it, it, it's it's about the most valuable player. Maybe not the player that scored the most points, but the player that was the most valuable to their team. And I, I think Hawkeyes was pretty clearly um, the most valuable player, at, at least to this UCLA team. Frankly, I, I'm not sure if, if the Bruins would be in the same place without him. You know, 18 points per game, eight, eight rebounds per game. And he is also a leader on the court. It's the second straight in name pac 12 first team you know of that first team selections important as well and he 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 shows some confidence too hey he said let's get the brooms out let's let's sweep these awards and it's just what the second time ever in pac 12 history um that one school one program has won all all four of those awards and you know we, I, I think we were talking about it earlier the other time back in 2021 that covid year when usc did it so um yeah, again, I think I think it's a, a terrific accomplishment, but he, a guy like Hawke is, he doesn't care about this award. That's not what he's going. That's not what he's banking for. You know, he cares about first the Pac-12 title, then he cares about you know making making it through the Pac-12 championship, and then he looks for a national title. And that's that's the stage that these Bruins are on. So I think that this is just maybe another trophy in his trophy case for the Camarillo native. But aside from that. Um, sure, it must feel good, but I, I, I'm not sure that this is where his his thoughts are today.
0: Yeah, for the Bruins sweeping all the awards, as you mentioned, for the first time since 2021. And hey, it's maybe the first real season, you know, without yeah. too many cancellations that, you know, it, it kind of history swayed Hawkins' way when it came to, one, the fact that UCLA won the regular season title outside of Mobley winning it a couple years ago. It had usually gone to the co- or outright Pac 12 regular season champ, all the way from Oregon, from Washington, even last year with Arizona, with Benedict Matherin winning it, and this year with Jaime Hawkes. And, you know, sometimes we talk about players of the year, most valuable players in in certain conferences, and sometimes, you know, we've broadcasted and we see games. Sometimes you want to lean to the guy that scores 25 points per game, but Hawkes, he does it scoring the basketball, he does it rebounding the basketball, and most importantly, he does it on the defensive end. He's one of the best players in the Pac-12 and across the country too, when it comes to defensive win shares. That's pretty a nerdy stat. But basically it's a way to say that other than Jalen Clark, the defensive player of the year, Jaime Hawkins Jr. is all around a great player. And even ToBellis was getting, you know, Getting, you know, I don't really know what the right word to say is, but he wasn't getting a lot of love for his defense, especially at the end of the year. Hawkins and the Bruins seven to zero at the end. There's the recency bias to it. I know you mentioned that me before, mentioned that to me before the podcast. But the fact that it's defense, offense, rebounding, he does it all. I think that's a true, well-rounded player for someone
1: who would get things done in the clutch down the stretch. Well, you talk about that recency bias too and ucla coming off a standout victory against that arizona team so hey that makes sense that folks that are voting are, are, are looking at, at how hawkes has played down the stretch and and you know you talk about that defensive prowess he gets his hands dirty he's what he's got a, a a steal and a half per game he's just the sixth player in conference history to be top five in in steals uh, rebounds and points per game in in the Pac-12. So that gives you an idea of how special this season has been, and not just for for Hawkeyes, but for the Bruins in general. Winning this this conference by four games it's the first time that's happened since two thousand four. So just really impressive, you know, for for the Bruins in general and how how good he's been. He's propelled this team to new heights a number four finish in the country, you know, cusping a, a one seed of the NCAA tournament, which we might get into a little bit later. Uh, I, I think that it, it's well-deserved, not just for the success that he's had individually, but that the, the team has had collectively. And granted, he's not the only one on this team, but when you lead a program like this to new heights, a, a program that for so long has already been in the spotlight, including, you know, the last couple of years in the NCAA tournament, this, make no mistake, Hawkins had one of the best seasons of Bruin has had in years, and no wonder why he's won this uh, this award. Again. And I, frankly, I think, I think like I said, well-deserved. That's the best way to put it.
0: All up and down the board, I believe he's the first one since Kevin Love in 08 to win the Player of the Year. You had Jalen Clark, who is, you could argue, a co-MVP alongside Jaime Hawkins Jr. Because his defensive prowess puts him amongst the nation's best when it comes to the ability Jalen Clark had defensively. But the fact that, you know, mum's the word right now with Clark and, you know, it, it, Mick Cronin came out and said, we don't know what his availability is going forward. There being a little mum on Jalen Clark's availability, he's not available for the Pac-12 tournament. And who knows about the NCAA tournament, we can get to that later on a different episode, but he was clearly the runaway favorite. And as he talked about, I think on social media, this is my Russell Westbrook year, he came out and it's like, yeah, first defensive player of the year for UCLA since when? Since Russell Westbrook won it back in the three straight final four days, and then Mick Cronin, I don't think there's any other coach that could have won this award. Heck, you could have had the clear-cut favorite freshman of the year in Amari Bailey, and he missed a month. So, what does UCLA do? Get coached up, and then a Bono wins freshman of the year. So, with a guy out, you get guys playing. It just seemed like UCLA had everything cooking this year. And you know, we don't want to shortchange Tiger Campbell. Third year, he's been on the first team all Pac-12, and he still might come back one more year. He's still up in the air deciding that at this very moment to what we know. So Tiger Campbell, UCLA, you can just see how deep they are in this one. One thing I have to point out though, why was there no love for David Singleton? That's that's one thing I didn't like with the fact that Singleton didn't get a full allotment of love. I know there's a stretch in Pac-12 play. He did not go off like he did sometimes in the non-conference or like he did against Arizona in the beginning of Pac-12 play. So I wish Singleton would have got more love, but either way, Every Bruin who saw significant time on the floor and was and you know instrumental to them winning, I believe they all got recognized outside of Singleton. It,
1: and and it, it, it's it's picking berries at that point. You know, we, you, you sweep you sweep the, the the awards generally. You know you. It's nobody gets left out. But with this team, <laughs> there's so many good pieces that you want everybody to get that recognition. And frankly, sometimes there's one or two names that, that get left off that list. That said, though, you know, no, no, uh, no, no sauce off off the table, if you, if you know what I mean. He, a great season all around. It's just just a question of, uh, hey, who was in the spotlight toward the end of the season? Where does that recency bias come into play?
0: In the meantime, before we tell you, Marcus Adams didn't choose UCLA. I thought he was going a different place. We'll talk about that in just a moment, our second segment of Locked On UCLA. But we'll tell you about FanDuel because FanDuel Sportsbook is now, we're together with Locked On, the number one sportsbook in America. They got no sweat first bet if you're a new customer, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, FanDuel even allows you to combine your bets Get a little crazy with that same game parlay. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more about the no sweat first bet. Again, see that if you're looking on YouTube, fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with fanduel and especially an official sports betting partner of the NBA and with us here at locked on. Cruising back here in second segment of locked on UCLA, Zach Anderson, Joxheimer, Max Kelton joining us here today. And you know, didn't exactly have an episode put up yesterday. Sorry about that. But we're back here today, full show. And right now we're going to talk about Marcus Adams Jr. I thought, one, he was with all the connections to the Compton Magic and the Compton Magic to Palmer, the UCLA assistant coach, with him going to the UCLA-Arizona game, with, I believe, Adams Jr. already going to a game earlier this year, unofficially, with a current Bruin uh, signee, I believe in Devin Williams, who were Compton Magic teammates. I thought maybe UCLA had that all said and done. Marcus Adams could have been a 2024 recruit or a 2023 recruit. That was still up in the air. Instead, right before he went to UCLA and had his official visit during the Arizona game, he went to Kansas, went to Allen Fieldhouse, and despite how rocking Paul Pavilion was against Arizona Max, there's nothing that can really change or compete truly with Allen Fieldhouse and if Kansas kind of forked out some NAL
1: opportunities out there. When Bill self calls, you answer the phone a lot of the time. I mean Unless it's the he, FBI. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he's hey, he's, he's he's a good seller, he's a great recruiter. And you know, same same with Mick and and you know, what Polly looks like game day, but um, frankly, I, I think a lot of the time it's a toss-up in the air, especially when, you, when it comes to these recruits and what, what they're looking for. And a lot of it, I think, happens behind closed doors. What we don't see, you know, that, that aspect of, hey, what, what's the selling point here? Sometimes it might be NIL, you know. Uh, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to speculate here. All I know is that I hope, hopefully this young man did what's best for him. And, and you know, not all the time is, is – is what's best for this this person you know um, coming coming to the school that you, you expected them to go to but um hey that that's why the transfer the transfer portal is there and i i think i think it's so easy to to focus on on the programs that we have at, at stake and not focus on the player themselves and what's best for that player so um you know it, it'll it'll all play out it'll all play out but ucla has, has a terrific recruiting class in, in in its own right moving forward so um well Maybe maybe some some hearts were, were throbbing after that a little bit. I I, I think I think moving forward they'll, they'll be okay.
0: It was between Syracuse, UCLA, and Kansas, and you know still Marcus Adams Jr. is planning. He's technically a junior, but he's planning on playing AAU this upcoming season because he's already I believe 18 years old. Still in between getting credits and the ability to go from 2024 to the class of 2023. But you know when Bill Self and Kansas NAL money comes through for basketball. You know, as much as UCLA wants to claim the blue blood, as we we all love UCLA, you know, they do a little different thing. That's why Bill Self has been reportedly in trouble, but never in trouble. They know what to do. And now that it's technically legal to find NIL opportunities, don't you think in Lawrence, Kansas, they're gonna find a way. Oh, this is a guy we want, they're gonna get him. And unfortunately, what Marcus Adams said, I believe the twenty four seven sports, he said, My official visit played a big role, going to see how passionate they were. They said they wanted me, they needed me, the NIL opportunities he specifically cited, and simply, the most important part, a couple of Kansas guys, forwards, guys that he listed, are going to be leaving, going to the NBA. And he says the ability to play right away is a possibility. So I think the opportunity to either play right away in 2023, in this next season from 23 to 24, or in 24 to 25, is what really threw him In over the top. Maybe UCLA, you don't know what's coming up because they've got already three recruits in 23. It would have been the first 2024 commit, but there's a lot of many, there's plenty of misses in this class of 23 for UCLA this year. From Holland, you have Collier, you've got Andre, I forget, you know, Stojakovic, his son. You had a lot of guys that had some connections and they kept going. Of different places, whether it be across town, whether it be up north to the bay, going to Palo Alto, whether it be across the country. It's maybe not the most dynamic necessarily in terms of recruiting. I might disagree with you there, Max, but I think overall UCLA had an opportunity. I thought it was set and done, and I was kind of stunned when I saw, yeah, he commits to Kansas. And, you know, I thought he would commit to Kansas only if he was going to completely announce he could come in 23, and that didn't seem to be the case there.
1: Well, you, you, not only that you talk about the depth on this team this year and then what what what's moving forward next year right and and you even talked about how, how Tiger Campbell might might be returning so hey when when a player just doesn't have you know the the insurance you know the backbone it's like hey I'm I'm going to be playing next year especially a kid of of his caliber then hey, frankly like I said going to the right place at the right time is really important in collegiate sports and far too often do we get coupled in with Hey, what, what is my team doing, and and how did my team not not snag this young man? But you know, the, the future is bright. You look at you look at a kid like Amari Bailey on this team. You know, he's gonna he's gonna be so, solid for years to come. And um, well, you, you just, we won, just, I guess the, the
0: debate there too is is he gonna stay the extra year? Is Ademola yep. gonna stay? I think the yep. the talk was the class of twenty four for the NBA draft isn't that hyped. So do these guys stay an extra year? Bailey fully hone in. Does UCLA get these guys all coming back and become a super team? Next year, with Bailey, yeah. with Bona, guys who could be Player of the Year candidates. You have Campbell, who's a superstar general in terms of being a point guard on the floor. So it just maybe those are things he saw and heard that we haven't been you know, brought into, and we won't know about these freshmen and these guys who could leave until we see the tournament, right? Or the Pac-12 tournament. If they go on a big run, guys' stocks rise, and they generally go and they get a lot of money, even if they're ready or not. So we'll find out what that all means when it comes to Bailey and Bona and how much that maybe affected um, the likes of Marcus Adams Jr. And again, they already got a couple of forwards. Adams is more 6'8", small forward, and they already have two 6'10 guys coming in. So you just wonder if it was just a bit of a logjam for UCLA's 23 class or beyond, which would have been their first recruit. But speaking of looking forward, we're now going to transition into UCLA softball. And, you know, Max, you've broadcasted UCLA softball this year. You can tell me firsthand how Kelly Inouye-Perez's team looks, and I'm not sure if you've seen them since they lost to Oklahoma, but they came out angry. I believe they played, what, in the Judy Garmin recently? They just played at Howard, Howard excuse me, in the HBCU night in a close game for nothing. They won. Pretty much they looked like the most dominant team in the country in terms of getting wins over good opponents, dominating Florida with that Megan Faraiimo no-hitter, but then a lot of close wins. And then it all collapsed one day against Oklahoma yeah. where it just was like, wow, it could have gone, couldn't have gone any worse than that. That sucked is basically what uh, in a way Perez thought. So what are your thoughts on the UCLA Bruins this year on
1: the softball side? Well, it's it's really fun to watch this team. You know, any time you have a team that can swing the bat the way that they do, they are so well-rounded top to bottom. You talk about Faramo, she's right now the pitcher of the year. You know, in February, she was incredible, just an absolute monster out there. Um, and this was the number one team in the country up until that, that matchup against Oklahoma. I think that that's, you know, that's the focus there, right? They started at number two, had won 12 straight to open up the season, but they hadn't really played, um, you know, too many strong opponents prior to to that. They had played Florida State and a couple others. Um, and then Oklahoma rolls, you know, rolls in. And, Hey, that's a team that last year won a national championship. They're going for the three-peat. And frankly, I think the only team that can give them a run for their money are, are the Bruins. And something is a Bruin in UCLA, East, Easton Stadium. This is a program that has consistently shown prowess. And now with Maya Brady leading the way, you also talk about the freshmen who have who are been just very impressive. Woolery has been terrific. Uh, Grant, Megan Grant has been really good. You know, this is a team with top to bottom one through nine. So much talent, and it's a question of every time they they step out on on onto the diamond, how are they going to show out? You talk about a, a kid like Kelly Gooden who has been so dominant as well as of late. Just there are so many good pieces on this team. And then you, you see how Megan Faremo, when, when she steps into the circle, what she can do, Faremo with that no-hitter against number three Florida at the time is incredible. It's incredible. You know, her, it, it's it's her second no-hitter of the year. She already threw one against USD, but her doing that at, at that level against Florida, when, when Florida was – I think it's the first time uh, a, a no hitter a Bruin has thrown a no hitter against a top three team since two thousand three, and just just that that alone makes it you know that much more special. But let's talk about Maya Brady for a second. I have I have some notes on Brady here um, that I got from my my man v- Vinny City, who uh, who works for UCLA softball.
0: And the first thing better not be uh, Tom Brady's was niece again. No. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's a uh, bad batter, bad baller, straight up, straight mm-hmm. up hitter, everything, everything for Maya Brady. What is it?
1: Well she's third third in the country in hits, um, sixth in, in RBI, uh, third in runs scored, and and she leads the, the Pac-12 in those categories too. And you just talk about her production, you know, she she's just so good at getting on base and then working working the count well. And um how 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 she can see pitches, I think that that's the most impressive thing from a player who's been coming along for as long as she has and, and working her way through this program. You know, Perez, for 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 a few years, had been the staple of this program. And, you know, since she left um, this season, it was a question of who was going to take over, who was going to uh, be that headliner. And I think that, well, Megan Faramo in the circle is that headliner. She's not swinging the bench. She's not showing out every day. And while she seems like she country, is sometimes yeah, well, she might lead the country in wins and she's second in strikeouts, she's just not playing every day. And the name that draws attention every single game is Maya Brady. She is going to continue this this a- absolute tear, uh, continues to make a name for herself as one of the best Bruins of all time. And uh, it's, it's just, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch because every time she steps in, you never know what's going to happen. We, you can guess, you can guess she's going to get on base, but you, you, you never know how she's going to do it. And it just, just her her poise at the plate and her poise on the defensive side of the ball one of those players that is just so much fun to watch. So, hey, this UCLA softball team—they look—they look solid as ever.
0: Quickly tell me, Max, who do you think is the most outstanding freshman right now, so far in the season? I know it's a bit tough. Choose one and tell me why, pretty quickly.
1: Well, um, I think I think Megan Grant is 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 that player. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm looking at my notes right here. She's she's tenth in the country in in RBI, um, leads all freshmen, and. Just, just one of those players that, like, like I said, you know, a lot of the time you talk about a player it, it, at, at this level, the freshmen are actually really solid. They come in because nobody has tape on them, so nobody, nobody's able to, to you know, pr- produce a, a game plan, you know. And M- Megan Grant has been she's been that that kind of player. Um, yeah. It says chef Megan. That's, it's so funny how, how Vinny does it, but um, yeah, she's, she's just been, she's been that player. She's been what they expected when they, uh, when they, when they recruited her and, and she's come in, she has been a, a staple in the lineup and um, just has been able to, to do some damage at the plate with runners in scoring positions. So, you know, it, it, it it's a luxury that the Bruins have to, to be able to rely on a player, who in her first year is able to do so much damage in crunch time when when they need it most? You know, and, and Grant's been that player. She's been that player. So um, for me, what, while it's between her and Jordan Woolery, I, I'll go. I'll go with Grant. But hey, it's close. I'll tell you that much. Well,
0: that's that's some great thoughts. We'll learn and we'll talk about it later on. You know, when you come back on the show because we're we're gonna have Max Kelton back. We're gonna have all day Kelton. Back on this podcast for sure because we got to talk softball. We'll be talking other sports as well. We'll have more updates here on Locked On UCLA because, hey, it's March Madness. We're getting crazy. We're getting mad, and we are having some fun. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Locked On UCLA. For Max, I'm Zach Anderson. Yochsteimer saying, all right, go check out Locked On college basketball make that your second listen it's a good podcast to get yourself built up and get your bracket ready for the mark for everything when it comes to the you know craziness in terms of basketball upsets cinderellas everything in between so ucla fans stay tuned for that and yes we will divulge into ucla's first their number one seed pac-12 jalen clark what is going on is this a scheme we will talk about that coming up in our next episode in the meantime as always ucla fans. Get your hands up. A clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You. C. Uh, like UCLA. Fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.